Hey, it's Liz Kelly, and welcome to the Ringer Podcast Network. We hope The Ringer can provide you entertainment and companionship during this time. So as always, feel free to check out TheRinger.com, where we're still covering the latest in sports, pop culture, tech, and media. And The Ringer's YouTube channel can provide endless amounts of entertainment. You can find that at YouTube.com slash TheRinger. Football podcast on the Ringer NFL show on the Ringer Podcast Network. My name is Danny Heifetz, and I'm joined as always by my co host and my co Danny, the hero we need and the analyst we deserve, the Dark Knight himself, Danny Kelly. How are you doing, DK? <laughs> I am doing well, man. How are you doing? I'm wonderful. I, honestly, mostly because Craig is shaking his head and just disgust <laughs> of how I did that intro and it, that just makes me even feel even sweeter it brings me life if it helps it, it really it really gets me going so I appreciate it that one you had a few little extra little you know bits of flair in it I just want to get the people going how are you doing Craig <laughs> I'm good I turned the camera on just so you could see me shake my head but yeah it's <laughs> the, the scream is evolving it's getting a little throatier like a little Louis Armstrong I'm excited to see where it goes <laughs> yeah it's that's, that's how you get to Carnegie Hall, right? Just practice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, it's it's almost Passover, guys. That doesn't mean much to me, but yeah. Well, it, it it's kind of like in in theme because you know it's very plague heavy. Mm. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Darkness for three days, locusts, all that jazz, pestilence yeah. of livestock, boils. But I've decided to brave all of it to be here with you guys. Because you know what you do in the darkness? You grind tape. The dark night. Three days of the dark night. Wow. That's wow. what the draft is. Oh, that is. was good. <laughs> we rounded about to that. Let's let's catapult off of that one. Yeah, we're going to keep it rolling. All right, okay. so the NFL draft is in two weeks, and we're going to look at the players in the draft through a lens of Dynasty Fantasy Football Leagues. For those who are not familiar, Dynasty Leagues are like regular Fantasy Football Leagues, but you get to keep your players. So Forever. every year what you do is you draft rookies, and you keep it in with new blood. If you're not in a dynasty league, we highly recommend it. But even if you're not and don't want to be in one, it's still okay because this is a good exercise because fundamentally what looking at rookies through a dynasty lens is these are players we think will be productive for a long period of time. So whether or not you do dynasty, it's still a useful exercise and it kind of cuts right to the heart of what draft analysis is about. Who's going to produce on the field? Mm -hmm. So for this one, we're going to focus on running backs in this episode. But who has time to learn about every running back in the draft? Like, please. Some of us have lives. So DK has done it for us. This thankless man has already watched every snap of every running back in all of college football history to bring to us today. And because we don't have time and our tiny brains can't quite understand all of his information to help us download this, we're going to force him to compare people in this class to one of the most fun running back classes in recent memory, which is the 2017 running backs class. Craig. Do you want to run through the bonkers 2017 running back draft class? I would love to. So in the first round, at the fourth pick, our boy, Leonard Fournette, went to the Jags. <laughs> then four picks later, Christian McCaffrey. Second round, Dalvin Cook and Joe Mixon. Third round, Alvin Kamara, Kareem Hunt, James Conner. And then later in the draft, Tariq Cohen, Marlon Mack, Aaron Jones. And in the seventh round, Chris Carson to the Seahawks. Yeah. 
Insane year. What a class. That was a, just an incredible class. I mean, even in the middle rounds, there was like really, really good players. Yeah. Especially like a third of the starting running backs in the league. It just makes you think like a few years from now, all the guys that are coming into the draft right now are going to represent like the entire foundation of the running back group. Because there's just so much turnover in that in that position in general. Like Todd Gurley now is on his way out and he was the superstar for yeah. a few years. It, it, it's absolutely ludicrous how much the running back position turns over. And that's why this is the most important episode for fantasy purposes to be looking at because the rookie running backs are almost always the position that produces immediately and are good immediately. Yeah. So yeah. those are the guys that lead to production. And then an interesting little tool we have is that if you look at fantasy football calculator, we can actually look at how people in dynasty leagues were drafting those players, which is a fancy way of saying we can look at how people in 2017 thought these guys would produce. Yeah. So if we look at the average draft position, Craig, you want to run through how those guys were drafted on average in Dynasty Leagues in 2017? Yeah, so it went pretty chalk to start off. It went Fournette, McCaffrey, Mixon, Dalvin Cook. And then at fifth, Samaje Pirine, if we all remember him. What? <laughs> Redskins. Uh, and then Alvin Kamara, Deontay Foreman, Amazing. who has... We actually don't know if he would have been good or not. He suffered a torn Achilles and then a yeah. torn bicep. Um. Then Kareem Hunt, Jamal Williams, Jeremy McNichols from Boise. People love dudes from Boise. If you go to Boise and you're good, you are getting drafted. Can I make <laughs> it, it matter? Can I can I admit something? I've never heard of Jeremy McNichols until we were preparing for this podcast. Dude, oh, people I've heard people him. loved him. Yeah. I'm telling you, if you're like a running back from Boise, people fucking love you. I don't know if it's because that one time. Remember the guy who proposed to his cheerleader girlfriend in Oh, after Boise? the Statue of Liberty? Yes. I believe that since that moment, if you were running back at Boise State. You just you're locked in. People oh, because everyone like the proposal are. factor. Everyone thought he was yeah. gonna, like going to propose. Wow. Well, they just remember the the Boise running backs, and so they'd always assume they're always good. Anyway, to continue, Chris Carson, <laughs> Marlon Mack, Wayne Gallman shouts out Heifetz, Joseph Williams, and James Conner. Joe is that Joe? Who's Joseph Williams? I don't know. <laughs> is that Joe Williams? Okay, it's okay. Joe Williams from the 49ers. I remember. Him. Oh, Joe Never Williams. Mind. Okay. Joseph, the larger the point here is that Samaj P. Ryan went ahead of Alvin Kamara. Um, and even in a good year, people don't know anything. Uh, and we can only just pray to hope the top, except for Danny Kelly, who knows everything. <laughs> but again, we're going to look comparing players and past drafts to current ones is not always a good use a rubric. It's kind of like a mental shortcut. In fact, it's been banned in many front offices. The Houston Rockets were one of the first teams. Daryl Morey did not allow any player comparisons in his draft room unless it was a player of a different race to prevent from cognitive bias. Mm. And it's often just you're fitting a square peg into a round hole because that's what you know and familiar with. Yeah. But we don't do this for, you know, not everyone does this for a living. <laughs> we don't all have time. Sometimes the best way is to comparison. We have time is limited. So because time is limited, we are going to force Danny Kelly at Zoom point to compare players <laughs> to the players from the 2017 class so we can understand what we're getting into. And yeah. to be clear, we're not necessarily talking about skill sets, although if it is also skill set comparison, bonus points. We're looking for like archetypes, like just to yeah. get a gist of who these guys are and might be in the NFL. So without further ado, DK. Yeah. We're starting out with the vaunted, beloved Leonard Fournette. And the Leonard Fournette Award, which is of the big three running backs in this draft class mm -hmm. who have produced in college and look like they're going to be great. Who might be, even if they are productive, we might, not, we might look back on and maybe think it wasn't the best pick a few years ago. 
So there, first of all, there's three main guys, like pretty much the consensus top three, the top three guys that are taken being taken in rookie drafts prior to the draft right now. Um, Jonathan Taylor from Wisconsin, J.K. Dobbins from Ohio State, and Andre Swift from Georgia. Now, I'm going to quickly run through kind of like the main hiccups that each of these guys might have in the pros and the reasons to be a little bit worried about them. Number one, Jonathan Taylor. Pass catching is a big red flag. He he did, he was not a big pass catcher at Wisconsin. He only had like 42 catches in his total three seasons there, so they just didn't use him on third down hardly ever. Um, he had a serious fumbling issue. There was a lot of fumbles there. That doesn't always translate to the pros, and we saw that with Miles Sanders. Like That was a big knock on him coming into the league. He's done fine. It doesn't always matter, but sometimes like if a guy goes to a huge fumbling spate, he's going to get benched, so that's a slight concern. And then, of course, 926 touches in college. That's a lot of wear and tear. So that's, there's a little bit of worry there. Moving to Dobbins. Uh, he came in undersized at 207 pounds in the combine. He didn't run. We don't have a full athletic profile on him. We do know he was very, very athletic coming out of high school. So that's not a huge concern. But his lack of size might be considering he is a downhill interior runner kind of by style. And so that might not necessarily mesh in the pros going Wait, can forward. I ask a dumb question? Yes. When you say lack of size... It's not a height thing, right? It's about weight. It's about build. Right. It's more like, you know, Jonathan Taylor's like 220 pounds. J.K. Dobbin came in under uh, 207. I mean, even Alvin Kamara, I think, was like 215 at the Combine. So coming in under 210, there's just concerns about your ability, number one, to like move the pile, pack pack power as a runner. Um, And number two, like durability is a thing too. You know, these guys are getting hit. 30 times a game or whatever, if you're under 210 pounds, it's just a little bit of a red flag. It's not necessarily anything because, you know, there's certainly guys that are that are small that have panned out, but, you know, it's a concern. I'm actually wondering now what, how, how heavy was Christian McCaffrey when he came in? So this is actually an interesting one because I believe he was 205 pounds coming out of high school or coming out of college. So another big concern that did not translate to the NFL. So it is a concern, but does it mean he's absolutely not going to be a bell cow guy? No. Um, and then finally, DeAndre Swift from Georgia. You know, he's a he's known mostly as like a pass catcher. He's like very versatile runner um, who can also factor into the passing game. But the big kind of question mark on him is workload because he's never been a bell cow in college. Um, I think he carried the ball more than twenty five times. He never carried the ball more than twenty five times in a game in college. And he went over 20 carries just three games. So he's he was very much a committee back in college. And, and translating that to the pros is, is a projection. So the, there are significant, legitimate concerns with each, with each of these guys. That said, you know, I think personally, they're all going to be stud fantasy players. If I have to pick one, you guys are making me pick one guy who I'd be most worried about um, going into the NFL. It's probably Swift, honestly. I think I think Taylor is pretty much as safe as you can get just based on his analytical profile, his athletic profile, um, everything about him, his stats, just, he, he's just a stud. He's really, really fast, athletic, all that. J.K. Dobbins, obviously there's there's some concerns there, but for me, Swift, the, the biggest thing is just his usage in college. And, you know, can a guy go from being a committee back in college to a full-time bell cow, bell cow back in the pros? Sure, it, it happens, but... His analytical profile, his statistical profile is not nearly as strong as Dobbins and Taylor. So that's really kind of what, but I'm going with the numbers on this one because I just think um, that could be the biggest red flag here. But that said, I really like him. Yeah, Georgia kind of took over. The, they had the the running back 
success line of succession in Georgia was nuts. Like Alabama yeah. had the absurd line from like Mark Ingram through Derrick Henry through uh, T.J. Yeldon and stuff. And then Georgia kind of had Todd Gurley to Nick Chubb, and we were all kind of waiting for the next guy, like capital G guy, to kind of emerge out of Georgia. We heard about DeAndre Swift. Keith Marshall is this really fast dude. And then Swift was kind of supposed to be it. And then never quite popped the way I think we had envisioned him being. Yeah. I mean, it's certainly not from the way that they used him as like a, like like I said, heavy, heavy bell cow type runner. He was in a rotation. I mean, in fact, last year in 2018, he split reps with Elijah Holyfield who ended up going undrafted, hasn't turned into anything in the pros. So that's, you know, it's slightly a concern. Uh, and yes, he is the son of, uh, of Evander Holyfield. But yes. So, again, dumb question. If you can't get the majority of your snaps in Georgia, and I understand sometimes there's timeshares because of absurd talent, but right. that doesn't seem to have been the case with the guys DeAndre Swift was sharing with necessarily. Like, what are the odds that DeAndre Swift gets a big workload in the NFL? Yeah, and so... And, and a lot of people, and I, fa- I think right now, in fact, the, the at least last time I checked, which was yesterday, DeAndre Swift is the odds-on favorite to be the first back taken. That's why I'm asking. Yeah, it's- this is this is very much a early projection, and we don't have a major major variable here, which is draft capital, um, which is one of the strongest correlations for fantasy production there is for running backs. Is, is how high are they taken in the draft? Because if you're taking a guy in the first round, a running back in the first round, most more often, uh, in fact, the vast majority of times, the guy. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna you're gonna run the hell out of him. Better not lose the job. Shout out Rashad Penny. Yeah, which is you know, <laughs> it always comes back to Rashad Penny. But I mean, Penny was like a really high rookie draft um, pick in his time because Seahawks took him in the first round. They're a run heavy team. Like all those things added up. The Seahawks are just weirdos. But like the vast majority of the time. These teams end up running the these guys, you know, very, very heavy workloads. And so, you know, we'll be able to revisit this once the draft happens and kind of recalibrate how we look at these guys. But yeah, so it is, I think draft capital is the unknown factor here that is going to be very, very important. On that note, to clarify, though, when we say when we give DeAndre Swift the Leonard Fournette award, we're not saying DeAndre Swift's going to go fourth. Leonard Fournette went right. fourth, and that's obviously, you know, with everything we're learning about the running back position, probably too high to take a running back. Yeah, the it's more that it's not just they went fourth. It's even if you went 34th. But if you could have waited and gotten Dalvin Cook in a, in a round later, Alvin Kamara two rounds later or Chris Carson six rounds later, that's where the Leonard Fournette pick looks not so great, even regardless of where it's you're taking the first guy in a pretty deep group. So yeah. that's where I'm even if DeAndre Swift isn't the first, you know, a top five pick, if he's the first running back taken. And then three years from now, we look back and he's never more than like a high end rotation guy. And there's five or six other guys in this class who were for any period of time feature running backs. That's where it's really tough to justify the pick, no matter what it was taken, if he goes first. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think, you know, and again, it's it's so important to pair him with a team because we're going to find out like how much they're going to use him. But um, I mean, I coming into like the offseason season. Swift was the by far consensus number one pick in rookie drafts. Um, that's kind of shifted since the early part of the offseason, since the combine. Jonathan Taylor's taken over that. He is by far easily the top, I guess, rookie pick how in mu- dynasty how drafts. How much of that's because it's like the best name a running back has had in years? <laughs> and he's had some hype it's for a few years. Yeah. Um, 
So I don't know. I'm just looking at that. And I'm saying I'm a little bit nervous about picking Swift in the top one or two picks in a rookie draft, even top three, just because there's a slight worry to me that he's going to be like a, a, you know, rotational guy, not not a heavy, heavy rotational guy, but just won't have the the bell cow reps like Christian McCaffrey or Saquon Barkley or whatever. Anyone with the who wins the Leonard Fournette Award is is okay in my book. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, it's Bill Simmons. I just wanted to make sure you were listening to podcasts on Spotify. Here's how you do it. First, search for your favorite podcast on Spotify's app. They have a library of over 750,000 pods at this point. So let's say you're searching for the Rewatchables or the Dave Chang Show or the Ringer NBA Show. Once you find them, click on the follow button. That's how you subscribe. Then click on those letters near the top of the app that say podcasts. All the pods you're following will pop up separated by episodes, downloads, and shows. Wait, it gets better. On Spotify, you can adjust the speed of the pods to seven different speeds. 0.5 times is the slowest. I actually sound drunk at 0.5. You can do 0.8 times, 1.2 times, which is my favorite. Everyone sounds like they just had a good cup of coffee. And then there's 1.5 times, two times. And if you're completely insane, three times. Anyway, Spotify's app connects directly to many of the best automobiles in the world. It even has a CarPlay feature. That's pretty cool. Best of all, it's free. Download Spotify on any device and you're good to go. Should you be embarrassed that you're not listening to podcasts on Spotify? Well, I don't want to app shame you, but the answer, unfortunately, is yes. Make the move. Listen to podcasts on Spotify. Back to yours. Moving on, you mentioned Christian McCaffrey. The next award is the Christian McCaffrey Swiss Army Knife Award, yeah. which goes to who here in the class has the potential to rack up 1,000 rushing yards and 1,000 receiving yards in a season in their NFL career? So the first guy that kind of came to mind for me on this one was Clyde Edwards-Alaire from LSU, and that's simply because I think he's the best receiving back in this class in terms of his natural ability as a pass catcher, out of the backfield, route runner. I think Dondre Swift kind of rivals him in this area, but... Um, what I, what separates Alaire for me is that he's also, uh, I think he has the style and, 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 um, ability to be a workhorse back in the run game as well. He's not big. I mean, he's like five, seven, but he's stout. He's 207 pounds at five, seven. That's pretty good. Like BMI. He's well built. Um, he's very, very elusive in the open field. He can run between the tackles. He makes more guys miss than like just pure, dudes lunging for a cloud of dust that he he makes more of those guys do that than anyone in in this class um very very elusive daniel jeremiah from the nfl network actually comped him to austin eckler and the way that he thinks he's gonna get used and again this is all dependent on landing spot and if he lands on a team that's gonna make him the every down bell cow i think edwards lair has a chance to be that a thousand thousand guy i mean again that's very extremely rare i think wasn't mccaffrey the first guy to do it no, or at he, least one of very few guys to do it. Yeah, one of three. Okay, Who shout else out Herschel it? Walker. Oh, it, the, the list is absurd, though. Like Roger Craig, it's an unbelievable thing to do, though. So, what team do you think he could land on that that could potentially give him that opportunity? We think of like Miami. <laughs> yeah, I mean Miami is a is a definitely a team that needs a running back and has the I guess available volume for him. Um, I mean, if you go down the line, there's just really not a lot of teams. I guess I so I don't even look at it anymore like a team with opportunity because it's actually shorter than that. There's not that many coaches that would even adhere to the idea of giving true. a running back true. that many, you know, and I, I don't necessarily know what how Brian Flores would go about that. But, you know, you look at the coaches, it's like Mike Vrabel, Tennessee. Okay. That kind of makes sense. 
um, the Cowboys. It's really just a Jerry Jones thing with Ezekiel Elliott. Like, like it, it's almost like you can look at it from that perspective. Yeah. And I feel like John Gruden with the Raiders and Josh Jacobs, made, you know, made a lot of sense. But yeah, there's not many. There's not many teams. You can be like, yeah, that coach would give right. a guy 98% of snaps, which again is why I'm lower than most in Christian McCaffrey this season. Not because he's not just as good as he was four months ago, but it's because he played 98% of Carolina's snaps. <laughs> right. You don't have to come down. He can still lead the league at 85%. That's 13% fewer snaps. So I think it's the thousand thousand thing is is rare for a reason. It's because yeah. it's a bygone era of football when you can play that much. But I do think Edwards Alaire being one of the best pass catchers in his class, he could make a huge immediate impact. Yeah. I mean, I think so. Like, if you look at if you look at Edwards Alaire, just one last note on him. Like, he's not athletically what these other guys are. You know, he's not he he's not as I guess flashy as those other guys. But like I said, that that receiving, especially in PPR leagues, is going to make him super valuable. So yeah, I'm also such a sucker for the name Clyde. <laughs> yeah, like I'm just I know some of the name, but Clyde. Oh, Clyde is such a wonderful name. Um, okay, next up, the Alvin Kamara Award. Who are we going to look back on and wonder how everyone passed on a guy like that? Yeah, so there's two guys that really come to mind on this note. Number one, the big name for this is Cam Akers from Florida State. He is kind of the consensus, either fourth, um, sometimes third running back in this class, but um, generally speaking, he's after J.K. Dobbins, Taylor Swift, and then usually he's after Edward Slayer. They're kind of like neck and neck, I'd say. Um, but I'm, I'm most, I'm guessing most people are not going to take this guy first among that group. And he could end up being the most productive guy of all, depending on like landing spot and all that. Um, like Kamara, he's a former big time recruit. He was like a five-star guy. He flew under the radar a little bit in college just because, um, he had to deal with a very poor offensive line situation for pretty much his entire time there. In fact, in 2019, um, per PFF, he was contacted at or behind the line of scrimmage more than any other running back in FBS. So, I mean, he he had to deal with the fact that his offensive line was not doing anything for him, and he still managed like really good production. He's got great speed, great explosion. I and I saw this actually in Dane Brugler's excellent draft guide from the Athletic today. Um, his one point four seven ten yard split was by far the best of the running back group. In fact, it was significantly better than Jonathan Taylor, who is kind of the fast guy of the group. So Wait, what? Whoa, Jonathan Taylor the Borderline Olympic level sprinter, right? Right. Had so, a slower ten yard split than Cam Akers. Yeah, that was, and that was. Uh, Brugler said it was per the official combine um, testing, like laser or whatever. Um, Can somebody know. explain to me what's what's a ten yard split? So the ten yard split is essentially how fast you got through those first ten yards of your forty. So he ran a four four seven forty, but his one point four seven ten yard splits, a one point four seven second ten yard split. Um, was the fastest of the group. This is the part where we remind everyone a 40-yard dash is a completely random number that was <laughs> yeah. like first used by like Vince yeah. Lombardi 50 years ago, and no one knows why or how it was 40, but then he used it, and he won a couple Super Bowls, so everyone else started doing 40, and now it's the <laughs> standard for exactly no reason, kind of like how we use feet for 12 inches just because it was like some king's foot, and then we just kept using it, and it was like, all right, everyone gets it. So like <laughs> yeah. the 40 number means nothing. So when you're looking at a running back, when you want to get 10 yards downfield, the ten yard split is probably it's a pretty bigger meaningful. deal than the yeah. forty yard split. Yeah. Well, yeah, because if you think about it, like all these guys are fast. Like, let's be honest. I want to know how quickly can you get to your top speed? Yeah, it's about the acceleration. Exactly. Yeah, it's like a zero to sixty essentially for a car. So you're telling me Cam Akers beach, but Jonathan Taylor's th- whole thing is being a sprinter and touchdowns. Right. 
Right. So why is Cam Akers below Jonathan Taylor? Well, maybe Taylor just keeps getting faster and faster throughout the 40. Well, for starters, Taylor's heavier. So there's there's obviously that uh, variable that goes into it. Shout um, out Bill Barnwell. Yeah. Um, but I mean, that kind of I think that what it tells you is that Akers as an athlete is elite. I mean, he is an absolute freak athlete. Um, and so yeah, I mean, I think he is kind of, you know, in that second tier of running backs according to I guess the consensus or whatever. But I mean, I think he still has very, very high end, high end potential. Um, as a fantasy guy, as an NFL player, when he gets into an offense that actually has an offensive line, like the things he could do is pretty incredible. So I'm really interested to see where he goes. I think his athletic profile, his style as a runner, he's kind of a slasher. Um, I think he reminded me a little bit of the way that Aaron Jones runs, just kind of like, you know, he looks faster than everybody on the field at times. And so, um, and yeah, I think that 10-yard split confirmed it. So he's he's a guy that I'm really really interested in and, and, wa- and I'll be watching for his landing spot in the upcoming draft. If you had another dart to throw at another Alvin Kamara type guy, who else would it be? Yeah, so he, he's technically listed as a receiver, but a lot of people think he's going to be a running back in the NFL. Antonio Gibson from Memphis. He played he played running back at the Senior Bowl. He played or he was listed as a receiver at the Combine, but um, he was a little bit of both for Memphis. He ended up with 38 receptions, 735 yards, and eight touchdowns through the air. Uh, 33 carries, 369 yards, four touchdowns um, on the ground. So he only had 71 touches in 2019, but he turned that into 1,100 yards and 12 touchdowns. He is the most efficient player, pretty much, in college football, skill position player in college football. I mean, he's just like absolutely absurd what he did with his touches this season. Um but I mean, the, the notable thing here, he's six foot, 228 pounds. So he's definitely built like a running back. Um, he ran a four, three, nine 40 at the combine, which was one of the best times. It would have been tied with uh, Jonathan Taylor in terms of the running back group. He was in the receiver group, but um, yeah, he's just an absolute, uh, really, really good athlete, freak athlete. So he's another guy who I think, you know, he might take a couple of years to kind of figure out what he's going to be in the NFL and landing spot could be crucial just because he doesn't have like a real position at this time, but he's very, very interesting. I got to say, what's I'm, the next award? I'm pretty, I just want to say I'm pretty sold on Cam Akers. I'm just going to stick yeah. my flag in Cam Akers now. Anyway, the next uh, award is the Marlon Mack award, which is just like mid round, non flashy draft pick. It's going to have a steady career mm-hmm. four years from now. He'll be on your fantasy team, putting up good numbers. Who's you got? Yeah. So I would say most people at this point in time would list two guys, Vanderbilt's Keyshawn Vaughn and UCLA's uh, Joshua Kelly, Josh Kelly. So those two are kind of like the mid-range options in fantasy football. Um, I'm going to throw out a different name just for fun. LaMichael Pirine from Florida. Um, wait, wait. Samaji, I believe he's related to Samaji. Oh, Pirine's relative. <laughs> are you telling me this, this pod came full circle? Yeah. I didn't even <laughs> think about that earlier. Yeah. I saw that? that. I was like, P. Ryan? There's not many P. Ryans out there. <laughs> well, maybe that's what happened. It's Passover. So, like, Samaji was the firstborn. <laughs> well, I think they're cousins, but yeah. Oh, okay. Um, I don't I don't quote me that. I, I, I believe that's the case. Anyways, he looked pretty solid at the Senior Bowl. Um, he Again, he's not super exciting, not, like, flashy or electric, but he's just solid. I mean, he's 5'11", 216. He can play on all three downs. He catches the ball really well. Um, everything that you hear about him is that he's really good at like work ethic, high character, all that stuff. Um, he he's the definition of sort of just like a lunch bail back 
And I think his ability has a lunch pail back. Yeah. His like, he's just that guy. He's a, he's a pickup truck. Um, <laughs> when I, when I was what, sort what of kind of pickup truck, cause anyone who has a pickup truck knows the kind of pickup truck really matters. A Chevy Dodge. love, a Chevy love. Okay. By the way, they are cousins. Just looked it up. Cousins. Wow. Yeah. And so like the kind of, I guess like the profile that I'm thinking about for him is like, your Malcolm Malcolm Browns, your Peyton Barbers, your Jamal Williams, the guys that no one's getting super excited about, but teams like them because they're reliable and they and they play those guys. I'm over. I can't believe the combo of the Samaje connection <laughs> with you yeah. calling him a pickup truck. Like I feel like I just got run over. <laughs> wow, good one. So P Ryan is Marlon Mack. That is amazing. Uh, well done, DK. Uh, Next one up, I, this one's near and dear to my heart. The Aaron Jones Award, a.k.a. the small school dude who will be running dudes over soon. <laughs> yeah. Um, high, like a high upside athletic dude, small school, though. Yeah. So background. Aaron Jones went to UTEP. Yeah. He came out of UTEP, like very athletic guy. He measured in at 5'9", 208. So he was a little bit undersized, but he's obviously made up for that with his uh, explosive ability. I think the guy that fits that role this year is Darrington Evans from Appalachian State. Um, that guy just, he just has some juice as a runner. He's getting right now. It's like his, his area, I think it's going to be like the third round. I think Daniel Jeremiah said he thinks he's going to get taken in the early third round. So he's, he's up there with some teams, but the reason being is, is teams love his explosiveness. He's, he ran a four, four, one at the combine, which I believe is second only to Jonathan Taylor would have been right up there with uh, Antonio Gibson too. Um, he is and Danny, you'll love this. He's a little Raheem Mostert type runner stylistically like really explosive he sifts through the defense he kind of slaloms downfield um yeah he's just got that he's got that that speed to get to the second level and then turn it into a home run that i think most has that aaron jones clearly has he's good in the passing game in fact he started out in college as a receiver slash running back kind of like he he didn't have a super defined role and then he ended up taking over the starting job as a running back Later in his career, he he put up really good numbers this last season, the last two seasons. So he is one of my favorite sleepers this class. I love this, and I also love that we asked for a small school sleeper, and you got an Appalachian State guy, which is like the smallest school Beautiful. in college football. Like it's the archetypal, archetypical, archetypal, Archetyp- <laughs> whatever archetypical? it is. It's the perfect small school is Appalachian State. Yeah, it's exactly. Yeah. It's, DK, you were just crushing this. <laughs> All right, DK, last yeah. award here. This is the Diamond in the Rough, a.k.a. the Chris Carson Award, which goes to the guy flying completely under the radar, super undetected, that has the physical tools to be an above-average starter in the NFL. Yeah. So I got two guys in this group, two guys that I'm kind of keeping an eye on during the draft. These are going to be day three guys almost certainly. First up, Rico Doddle of South Carolina, the opposite of DeAndre Swift in terms of names and name power. Um, (laughs) I'm all about name power. I'm actually not a, I'm not a hundred percent sure it's pronounced Doddle. It might be Dowdle, but Dowdle. <laughs> I like to think it's Doddle just because it's funnier. Um, but anyways, I think he's good. I, I mean, he's there. There are certain hits on him that, and and there's going to be an absolute reason he drops into day three. Number one is injuries have been a big factor for him and throughout his career. He's had major injuries pretty much every season. Um, he's got some uh, issues with fumbling, as I mentioned earlier. Like fumbling is not necessarily going to translate to the pros like guys that can get over that issue you know with coaching and whatever um but those are two knocks on him so those it's probably going to be the reason that he falls into the day three but you know he's good size he's got he's like 215 217 pounds 
He ran really well at the combine. As in fact, he was one of the top athletes at the combine overall, like speed score and all that. Um, I think he ran in the four fours or early four fives. Um, but he, he, you know, he's just he's an elusive player. He's got really good jukes. He's effective in the passing game. Um, he was just one of those guys where you turn on the tape and you're like, why are not why are people not talking about this guy more? And I mean, the context is he was hurt a lot. So if he can stay healthy, I think he's the kind of guy who could carve out a role for himself in the NFL. Um, the other guy that I really, really like, I think I like this guy a little bit more than Donald, in fact, is DJ Dallas from Miami. Great another name. another all-name guy. Um, he is a former high school receiver and quarterback. He actually started out at Miami as a receiver, switched to running back. Um, again, good size, like a, a bell cow style size, 5'10", 217. Um, he's very, very tough physical runner who breaks a lot of tackles. Um, every time I mention DJ Dallas on Twitter... Miami fans come out of the woodwork. They absolutely love this guy. Like, literally, every time I've ever mentioned him, it's like people are like, oh my God, he is he is the best guy. Like, in terms of character, in terms of his work ethic, in terms of attitude. Um, he's also, you know, good. I think he's actually a good player. He's a good receiver. He's a good returner. I think he's got special teams value. Um, he's not like an electric, electric athlete, but he's a good athlete tough physical runner and i think he he actually is the type of player that i think some team is just gonna be like all right he's gonna in two years from now he's gonna be like getting starters reps i have so many thoughts but the first of them is dj dallas out of miami sounds great name like like a, like a producer tag i don't even know <laughs> i don't yeah. even know how to describe like what an amazing name to end on for dj dallas <laughs> um yeah. my other one is this is the chris carson award so i have to ask would either Rico or DJ um, jump over people because Chris Carson is the most pro is the most is sneakily other than McCaffrey and Ezekiel, the number one guy who wants to jump over people in the open field. <laughs> the most irresponsible runner. The most irresponsible. Uh, I think DJ Dallas would probably do that for sure. I mean, With he's a name just, like that. I think. But I yeah. Believe yeah. That. But it's not just that. It's you got to jump over or go through because that's when you got <laughs> you go through the brick wall or over it, and that's when guys are like just defenders are like really afraid. It's it's lovely. Dallas on in his when you turn on his tape, he has those types of runs where there's like three guys around him, and you think the defense has him wrapped up, and then all of a sudden he just like emerges from the scrum like with the ball, and he's just <laughs> still going. Um, he's like that kind of runner. I really just, I liked his tape a lot. I mean, he's again, you know, he's a, he's a middle round prospect for a reason. There's certain deficiencies in his game, but I just think, I just think he's going to be a good player in the NFL. This is beautiful. Um, yeah, I have one last question. Craig, do you have anything you want to hit? No, go ahead. Well, let's just run this. Let's just run this down one more time. So Lenny Fournette, the running back who might get taken first, but might not be the best pick looking back later. We're looking at, we won't DeAndre Swift from Georgia. The Christian McCaffrey Swiss Army Knife Award, the guy most likely get a thousand thousand seasons with rushing and receiving. That's Clyde Edwards Hilaire from LSU. The Alvin Kamara Award, the guy we will look back on and wonder how everyone passed on this dude is Cam Akers from Florida State, with an honorable mention to Antonio Gibson from Memphis. The Marlon Mack Award, the mid-round non-flashy draft pick who can have a steady productive career, is Lamichael Pirine. Am I yeah. pronouncing that correctly? Yep. Related to Samaje. And then the Aaron Jones Award, the small school sleeper is Darrington Evans from the Appalachian State. <laughs> yeah. And then the Diamond in the Rough is the Chris Carson Award. 
The guy flying completely under the radar who has the fiscal tools to be a above average back. We're giving it to Rico Dottle, Dowdle from South Carolina and tied <laughs> with DJ Dallas from Miami, which is unbelievable. Yeah. Both of those guys have unbelievable names. Rico Dottle. Amazing. I have one le- I have one question left. Let's do it. Why do we still call it grinding tape? I don't think you watched <laughs> any tape on any of these guys. Uh, I feel like it was that's on a correct. computer. That is correct. I don't have a, a television tape projector. Um, streaming tape? Streaming. Yeah. Yeah, like you were streaming these guys like on YouTube or, or you know what I mean? Like you were stri- you were grinding the streams? Yeah. It's really kind of silly. A lot of people call it film too. It's like it's not Yeah, that, that's what I'm saying. Like film. We it's digital. Really need to update the lexicon. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of honestly here's the thing. I know this sounds dumb. But it's kind of a metaphor for football in general, right? Because yeah. how much do we talk about teams not using optimal strategies, whether it's, the, I mean, the Seahawks running the ball too much on first down instead of letting Russell Wilson pass. It's like these ideas that were received wisdom yeah. that no yeah. longer make current sense. 40 years ago, grinding tape, watching film were accurate terms. <laughs> and what is a better representation of us still using the old stuff, even though we don't know why anymore, it doesn't make sense, than still grinding tape and watching film. No, DK, we are on the cutting edge <laughs> I want you to talk about crushing streams and binging. <laughs> you're binging your streams. That, you binge the stream on Cam Akers and DJ Dallas, and you love what you see. Yeah, you know, oh, the, I'll uh, do that. I'll you do know that. the stereotype of dads who just like don't listen to directions or maps because they're too smart. That's just what the <laughs> NFL is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Wow, that. that's perfect. Okay, well, D- DK, thank you for binging all the streams. We appreciate you, you doing it so we <laughs> yeah. don't have to. Now, everyone, you are informed on the running back class. You're welcome. Uh, God, yeah. thank you, Craig, but thank you so much to DK. And thank you to the streams. You guys stay safe, stay healthy. Thank you to everyone for listening.